When was the last time someone really listened to you? When they actually heard what you were trying to say and just received it? Uh, maybe it happened at work. You brought your boss or teammate an idea for a new product or strategy. And instead of telling you why it wouldn't work, or that they'd already tried that before, or that corporate would never approve it, they just listened to your idea and promised to consider it. Uh, maybe you called a friend with a problem you were dealing with. And instead of interrupting you for more details, or trying to fix it, or telling you about their problem, they just listened and understood. Or maybe you shared a spiritual struggle or doubt with another Christian. And instead of looking shocked or quoting a Bible verse or telling you to just pray more, they actually listened and said, yeah, that's a tough question. Well, if that's happened to you recently, if you've really been listened to by someone, you know how good it feels to be heard, to be understood, to be received. But my guess is that many of us are having a hard time remembering moments like that, when we felt heard like that. Because the way the world works these days, and, and sometimes the way the church works these days, most people are doing a lot more talking and posting and arguing than they are listening. Well, this spring, we're learning how to live good and beautiful lives that bless other people. Now, I'm going to confess that I stumbled a bit over the bless word. It sounds pretty churchy and a bit old-fashioned. It brings back for me childhood memories of my great Aunt Peggy, a sweet, gray-haired church lady, if ever there was one, pinching my cheeks and saying, bless his little heart. So, so at best, the word bless sounds churchy and old-fashioned. At worst, it sounds cliche and, and even insipid. A, a word that belongs on, on Hallmark cards or wall plaques. And besides, isn't blessing people something that pastors and priests do? But after poking around the dictionary a bit, I landed on a definition that, that works for me. To bless is to bestow divine favor on someone. It's to do something good for someone, to favor them, but to do it in a way that somehow involves God, that points them toward God or brings God into their experience. Well, who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to do something good for another person in a way that draws them closer to God? And it turns out that anyone can do it. You don't have to be a priest or a pastor or a gray-haired church lady. We're learning in this series that you can actually bestow divine favor on people through five simple practices. Begin with prayer. Listen with care, eat with others, serve with love, and share your story. Five practices that Jesus himself taught. Five practices that enabled the very first Christians to change the world. So each week this spring, we're taking a closer look at Jesus and the early church, 
and learning how to put these things into practice in our contemporary world. Because when we do, they lead to a good and beautiful life. So last week, uh, Tim taught us how to begin with prayer, how to direct our attention toward God and seek His power for whatever need or situation we're encountering. If blessing someone is about bestowing divine favor, it only makes sense to begin by inviting God into the moment. And anyone can do that. It's as simple as, as bringing that person or problem before God in a spoken or a silent prayer. So prayer is a great way to begin blessing someone. But it's only a beginning. I mean, we haven't actually done anything yet. We, we haven't yet made a connection to that person or, or touched their life in any tangible way. Now, sometimes it, it's all we can do for the moment. And, and prayer alone can be a way to bless people. But usually, prayer will lead us to some kind of action. And often, one of the first things it will prompt us to do is to listen with care. William Urey is a Harvard business leader and, and author of the best-selling book, Getting to Yes. In a TED Talk entitled The Power of Listening, Yuri says this, Listening is the golden key that opens the door to human relationships. Oh, he goes on to make the case that listening is one of the greatest gifts you can give to a person and one of the most powerful tools for effecting change in the world. Well, if that's true, then blessing someone, bestowing divine favor on them, might be as simple as listening to them. So let's go to the scriptures and, and see if this is really a biblical idea and not just some trendy business technique. Uh, we're going to take a quick and, and surprising look at Jesus and then spend a few minutes with a couple of intriguing characters from the early church who will show us how it's done. So let's begin with Jesus. As we mentioned a couple weeks ago, most people will agree that Jesus was one of the greatest teachers of all time. And now we typically think of teachers as people who talk, who explain things, who deliver lectures, who utter profound sayings. And Jesus certainly did all those things. But what caught me by surprise as I surveyed the Gospels was how much listening Jesus did. And we know that not only because of the handful of times we're told that Jesus listened or heard, but we know it because Jesus asked a lot of questions. In fact, do you know how many questions Jesus asks in the Gospels? I guessed a few dozen, maybe 30 or 40, and that felt like a lot to me. It's over 300. 307 times in the Gospels, Jesus asks a question. It's remarkable. So when you ask a question, you're not talking. You're listening. But, but, but it's not just the number of questions Jesus asked that's so striking. It's the kind of questions he asked. Listen to a few of them. 
walking beside the Sea of Galilee one day. He, he turned to a couple of fishermen who were trailing after him and asked, what do you want? When he encountered a disabled man who'd been laying beside a pool for 30-some years, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Sitting around a campfire with his disciples, he asked, who do people say that I am? And then a follow-up question, who do you say that I am? To a grief-stricken woman, weeping beside an open tomb, he asked, woman, why are you crying? And to a failed disciple, desperate for redemption, Jesus asked the same question three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Notice, these weren't what-do-you-want-for-dinner questions. These were searching, probing questions that invited reflection and openness and connection. They were questions that, in every case, led to insight and healing and deeper relationship. (laughs) One of the greatest gifts we can give a person is to ask a good question and then listen to the answer. Whenever Karen and I get back from an extended trip somewhere, we have some friends who always make a point to get together with us. And no sooner have we sat down at a table somewhere than one of them will say to us, tell us all about your trip. And then they just let us talk. Can I tell you what a gift that is? As a pastor and pastor's wife, we do a lot of listening to people, which we actually love to do. But having friends who will ask us a question and then let us talk, it's a literal blessing to us. Jesus teaches us here that a good question invites reflection and vulnerability and discovery, and best of all, maybe, it draws people into relationship with each other. Now, we're all dismayed by the hostile political environment we're living in these days. I mean, think for a minute how different it would be if we took the time to listen to each other instead of attacking each other or judging each other. You want to bless someone? The next time someone espouses a political opinion you don't agree with, ask them to tell you more about it, how they arrived at that position, why they feel so strongly about it. And then don't try to rebut them. Just thank them for explaining their point of view. You won't just bless them. You'll blow their minds. We're all dismayed about the the racial division and misunderstandings in our culture. How different it might be if we simply asked our friends from different backgrounds to tell us more about their experience as a person of color, as an immigrant, as a police officer. We'll not only learn something, we'll be drawn closer to one another. 
how many parents and children at all stages of life feel misunderstood and, and underappreciated. Think about how it might change our family dynamics if we learn to listen with care around our homes, to ask instead of telling. Now, now, Karen and I learned the hard way not to ask a 14-year-old boy, how was your day? <laughs> I mean, that goes nowhere. It's just it's too open-ended. Better to ask a, a more focused, accessible question. Who did you sit with at lunch today? What did you work on in practice? What was your best or worst moment of the day? Now, they might say that the worst moment was you asking them that question, but at least they're talking to you, right? Children of any age, you want to bless your parents? Ask them what it was like when they were growing up. Ask them the hardest thing about being a parent. Ask them what they were afraid of as they look to the future. One of the greatest gifts we can give to a person is to ask a good question and then listen to the answer. But you know, we, we defined blessing as bestowing divine favor on a person, doing something that invites God into their experience. So it's nice to have meaningful conversations with people and to make connections by asking questions. But, but how does the mere act of listening to someone lead them any closer to God? Because, I mean, that's what we want ultimately of the people that we love. So let's jump ahead now to the early days of the church and meet a couple of intriguing characters whose lives were blessed because they listened. We're going to go to the book of Acts which tells us what Jesus' followers did in the months right after Jesus had risen and returned to heaven. So let's begin in Acts chapter 8, where we meet a man named Philip. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. So there was great joy in that city. So we learn here that this man, Philip, is a good talker. He shows up in the city of Samaria, where most of the population had never even heard of Jesus. And after preaching a few sermons and healing some people, hundreds and likely thousands of people come closer to God. It literally blessed the whole city. So, so speaking, talking can certainly be powerful. And Philip was good at it, gifted even. Uh, so much so that he's come to be known uh, to us as Philip the Evangelist. But most of us are not evangelists. Most of us aren't performing miracles or preaching on city streets. So how can we bless people by the mere act of listening? Well, let's skip down to verse 26 and see what happens when, when Philip takes a different approach to evangelism. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So notice that this story begins with Philip listening. Not to another human being this time, but listening to God. The Lord speaks to Philip through an angel who brings a rather strange message. Go south to the desert road. Why, Philip must have wondered. I mean, here he was in Samaria, preaching to great crowds of people, and killing it, by the way, and now he's supposed to leave and take the desert road out of town to who knows where? The whole thing must have seemed strange to Philip. But, but he listened anyway. Verse 27. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. I remember hearing this story in Sunday school as a kid and imagining this guy riding in one of those open war chariots, holding the reins of galloping horses in one hand and a scroll in the other as they raced along a desert road. Now, as exciting as that may have sounded to an eight-year-old boy, <laughs> that's really not what's going on here. I mean, first of all, it probably wasn't that kind of chariot. It was more likely an enclosed carriage with a driver. And this gentleman riding comfortably inside, reading off his iPad or whatever. And while it was a desert road, it probably wasn't a deserted road. It was likely a well-traveled caravan route through the Judean desert. But it was still, there's something intriguing about this character in the chariot. He's described as an Ethiopian which suggests he was a dark-skinned African from the region we would now describe as southern Egypt and northern Sudan. He's a powerful man, secretary of the treasury, we might call him. He's described as a eunuch, which suggests he was a non-sexually active man for one reason or another. And he's also a spiritually curious man. He's not a Jew, and yet he's gone up to Jerusalem to worship. So here we have two people who have virtually nothing in common with each other. They are literally from two different worlds and life experiences. And yet God, in his divine purposes, has placed them right alongside each other. In fact, it seems as though God has yanked Philip right out of Samaria and dropped him down in this remote place, for the sole purpose of meeting this man. Which makes you wonder, has God placed you in close proximity to someone? Someone who may be very different from you, in order that your two paths might cross. It makes you think twice about some of the people in your life. People at work, people in the neighborhood, in school. Strangers you meet on the street, in the grocery store, on an airplane. Could it be that God has plopped you down alongside someone for a reason? Now, maybe that sounds frightening to you. What does God want you to do for that person? You're not an evangelist like Philip. Philip. 
What are you supposed to say? Well, maybe you're not supposed to say anything at all. Maybe you're just supposed to listen. Let's keep reading. Verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Has the Lord ever said something like that to you? I mean, not exactly like that, obviously, but but have you ever sensed the Spirit prompting you to get closer to someone, to reach out to someone, a stranger, a store clerk, an Uber driver, (laughs) maybe someone you would have no reason to reach out to? Has the Lord ever called your attention to someone and asked you to stay near them for a while? to strike up a relationship with them, even though you have no idea why. It feels strange and random when that happens, but this story suggests that that we should pay attention to those promptings. Listen for what the Spirit of God might be saying to us. And, And that's what Philip does. For the second time, he listens to the Spirit of God. Verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. So obviously this this chariot isn't racing along the desert road at breakneck speed. It's moving slowly enough that Philip's able to actually catch up with it and, and even jog or walk alongside it for a while. But notice, Philip doesn't bang on the door of the carriage and say, I have a message from God for you. In fact, Philip doesn't say anything at first. He just listens. He stays near the chariot long enough to hear what the man is reading. Now, it was actually common practice in those days to read aloud because manuscripts were written without spaces or punctuation. So so you had to pronounce the words out loud almost to make sense of them. So so Philip listens to get a sense of where this man is at, what he's thinking and reading about, which makes it the third time in the story that Philip listens. And then, after listening for a while, he asks a question. Do you understand what you are reading? So, instead of launching into his most recent sermon, the one that killed back in Samaria, he asks a question. He invites the man to share what he's reading and thinking about. He creates some space for a conversation to happen. And so, for the fourth time, Philip listens. How can I, the man said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. (laughs) Don't miss that. The man invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This this strange man who suddenly appeared alongside his chariot. But by coming alongside, listening to what the man was reading, asking what the man was thinking, Philip had earned the right to enter into this man's life in a meaningful way. That's the power of listening. It opens doors. It creates safe space for the person being listened to. Space for them to to listen to their own hearts 
and maybe even to, to hear the still, small voice of God. A few years ago, a couple of Harvard researchers set out to explore the power of listening in the workplace. So in one scenario, they placed employees with managers who were providing performance feedback to them, to the employees. Now, now the managers provided the very same feedback and spent the same amount of time with both groups of people. The only difference is that some of the managers were attentive, trained listeners, and others were actors who were told to appear mildly distracted, uh, breaking eye contact, uh, looking down at their cell phone. They ran a variety of scenarios like that. And the researchers discovered that the employees who had been placed with the attentive listeners were more relaxed, more aware of their strengths and weaknesses, more willing to reflect in a non-defensive manner, and more open to considering alternative points of view. That's the power of listening. It opens people up. So it turns out that the more you listen, the more the other person hears. I know that sounds backwards, but it's true. The more you listen, the more they hear. Now, the they could be your kids or your parents, your boss, your neighbors, even that person who drives you nuts on social media. The more you listen, the more they hear. Because when you listen, you create space for them to listen too. Not, not just to you, but to themselves, to their own hearts, and, and to whatever God might be stirring in their hearts at the moment. A few years ago, I began meeting with a spiritual director. Now, we only got a few meetings in before the pandemic hit, but, but those few meetings were remarkably helpful. And the main thing the spiritual director did for me, pretty much the only thing he did for me, was to ask questions and listen. What's happening in your heart since the last time we met, he might ask, or... When have you sensed the Lord's presence or absence in recent days? He'd toss a question like, out, like that out there, and, and then we would just sit quietly for a few minutes. Eventually, I'd say a few things that had come to the surface for me. And then he'd say something brilliant like, tell me more about that. And then we'd sit some more, and he'd listen some more. He... He never gave me advice and rarely offered commentary. But somehow, as I drove home each time, I had this sense that I had heard from God simply because someone had listened to me. That's the power of listening. The more you listen, the more they hear. And the good and beautiful thing about this is that listening is something that anyone can do. You don't have to be a spiritual director or a gifted evangelist to bless people like this. All you have to do is pay attention to the people God places alongside you. Stay near them. Listen to what they're talking and reading about. And from time to time, ask a question or two. How's your day going? 
How was your weekend? What are you reading or listening to these days? You'd be surprised how willing people are to talk when someone's really listening. And you know how it works. When you listen to someone, you give them your full attention. You look them in the eye. You put down your phone. You close your laptop. You turn your bodies toward them. You don't interrupt them to, to, to satisfy your curiosity or to tell your story. You don't try to fix them with solutions or telling them what to do. You don't try to one-up them. Oh, that's nothing. You should hear what happened to me. You don't focus on what you're going to say back. You focus on really understanding what they're saying to you. And when it seems like they might be done, you give them permission to keep going. I'd love to hear a little more about that. Or is there anything else? It's like when a young child brings you a piece of artwork they've just made, a drawing or a painting. Oh, what do you do when that happens? You don't critique it. You don't point out where they went out of the lines or were too heavy with the crayon. You don't say, show it to me later. No, you drop what you're doing and you pay attention. You look at it carefully. You ooh and ah over it. You ask questions. Oh, how did you make this? You point out your favorite parts and then you hang it on the fridge. In other words, you receive it. Why? because you want them to keep on bringing you pictures. And if it goes well the first time they try it, they might just do it again. If you want your kids or your parents or your boss or your colleagues or your neighbors to talk to you more, you have to receive well whatever it is they bring to you. So can I encourage you to practice listening this week? at home, at work, around the neighborhood, and certainly at church. Some of you are, are, are group leaders or, or kids' town workers or student ministry volunteers. One of the most important aspects of your ministry is simply listening to the people in your care. When I'm leading a Bible study or facilitating a meeting, my goal is to talk as little as possible. I want other people to talk. I want them to know that they matter, for one thing, and I want them to find their own way to an answer or, or to whatever it is God might be saying to them. So if you want to bless someone this week, if you want to bestow divine favor on them, it might be as simple as listening with care. Now, we, we don't have time to unpack the rest of this story. The short version is that the Ethiopian turned out to be reading from the prophet Isaiah, a portion that was describing a Messiah who would suffer and die to save his people. Now, the Ethiopian didn't know all that and likely had never heard of Jesus. He just knew his heart was stirred by what he was reading and that this strange dude jogging alongside his chariot was easy to talk to. So we invited him to ride along for a while. And a remarkable thing happened. Scripture says, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
And by the time they were done talking, the man had opened his heart to Jesus and was baptized by the side of that desert road. Now, every conversation won't get that quickly to Jesus, and it doesn't have to. Yours may simply be one of many conversations that will eventually open a person's heart to Christ. But your simple act of listening will not only bless them in that moment, it might just prepare the way for future conversations and decisions. Because when we listen, we create a safe space for people to listen to their own hearts to hear things they might not have heard otherwise, to hear the questions their hearts are asking, to hear what God might be saying to to them in that moment. In other words, the more we listen, the more they hear. I recently had a conversation with a, a young woman here at Grace named Sharon. Sharon is on staff with a Christian organization called CREW. It ministers primarily on, on college and university campuses. Uh, She was describing for me a new approach to their work that they're finding both beautiful and effective. Now, now for decades, Crew has been famous for its very direct approach to sharing Christian faith with students, using presentational tools like the Four Spiritual Laws booklet, which was heavy with scripture and teaching. But times have changed. Culture has changed. Students have changed. On many of the campuses they serve, they're not allowed to proselytize, to to proactively share their Christian faith with students. So they've pivoted to a listening-based approach. They've developed this beautiful collection of images that they share with students. Pictures of things like like a child carrying some balloons, or a tree growing in a field, or a broken-down bicycle in an alley. And then they invite the students to pick one or two images that best describe how their life is going right now, or what their spiritual journey has been like. And they're finding that the images and the questions create a safe space for students to begin to share their struggles and their faith journeys. The students feel known and cared for. The conversations lead to deep and authentic relationships that students are so desperate for today. Sometimes the conversations lead to to, to conversations about God and faith in the Bible. But even when they don't, students walk away feeling heard and understood and blessed. Now, we all can't carry around a portfolio of pictures with us, but we can all come alongside people in our daily lives. We can ask questions. We can start conversations. We can listen well. And when we do, we bless people. We offer them the gift of being heard and valued and understood. You know, we often talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, which is all good, a high calling. But it can be just as important to be the eyes and ears of Jesus in the world, to see and hear the people who are around us. So as you make your way through this week, pay attention to the people around you. Be open to the possibility 
that God has placed you in proximity to someone on purpose. Just as surely as he dropped Philip down in the middle of nowhere, just so he could have one conversation with a man who needed to be listened to that day. You don't have to be an evangelist or a spiritual director or a pastor or a gray-haired church lady to bless someone this week. All you have to do is listen with care and let God take it from there. Let's pray about that. Thank you, Lord, for listening to us, for allowing us to come to you just as we are, with whatever's on our hearts and minds, knowing that you will hear our prayers. Help us this week, Lord, to be your eyes and ears to the people around us, to listen with such care that people know they are heard and understood, not just by us, but by you. And may that listening, Lord, lead us closer to each other and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.